Good morning and welcome to the Volume Nerd Podcast. This is your host, Davis Ransom, and today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about coaching tips for reinforcing relentless defensive intensity. Now, once again, I was able to speak with a group of great coaches about this important topic about playing hard on defense, and we all brought something unique and different to the table as far as what they like to do to get their teams to quote-unquote play harder. And I was able to talk about what I do to get my teams to play quote-unquote harder. And I'm using quotations on purpose because we first need to define that. What does it mean to play harder, right? And how do we reinforce relentless defensive intensity and what is defensive intensity so i was put with all these questions and my answers were received some with a lot of support some with you know critique and that's what i love is so we can all learn from each other and here's my answers to these questions so the first question is how can i help my team to play harder well Like we mentioned, the first thing you got to do in order to get your team to play harder is define what it means to play hard, right? Is playing hard going for for every ball? Is playing hard taking big swings? Is playing hard being on assignment and being alert? Or is it more of a physical type thing where you're going to hit the ground every time that you misplay a ball or are you going to make sure you're max jumping on your block so first defining what it means to play hard is really really important and different athletes have a different understanding and a different way of playing hard some of it is not so apparent at first glance some athletes play really really hard but it seems as if they're not And other athletes play hard, I guess, quote-unquote, by diving and going after everything, but everything seems hard. So that's how they're, quote-unquote, playing hard. So there is an important distinction to be made there with your team about what it means. Now, different coaches have different interpretations on what that means. And some really good coaches say, you know, if, if a ball hits the ground, I expect there to be a body on the ground, right? And um, if the ball drops, we're all going to do, you know, running. We're all going to hit the sideline or we're all going to do burpees or we're all going to do X amount of dives, right? Um, What is the expectation, right? The athletes need to know that. And so that comes with some discussions and some just plain old explanations from coach to player in the heat of the moment and I have some ideas on that but before we get into that I think that's just very first important point is define what playing hard means a lot of coaches like a lot of talk right other coaches really want minimal talk unless you are 
saying something prescribed by the coach on off over that type of thing um other coaches like a lot of yeah yeah you got it come on let's go guys like cheer talk right and there's different philosophies on that and you just got to get into what you believe is you know playing harder okay so to me playing hard on defense means that you make a full speed move with a full body commitment and that does not necessarily mean going to the ground every time. So I'm going to bring up a few points I think that add up to the team playing hard. Okay, The first is an ongoing standard. So whatever your standard is, it needs to be consistent and enforced in your gym. Now when I say enforced, it doesn't always need to be... A punishment I think one of the most common things I see in this topic is what do you get your team to do to go for the ball well if we don't go for the ball the whole team does burpees and that definitely sets a standard right um, that we're all gonna go for the ball so that way you can get some encouragement from the other girls go 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 you got it because they don't want to be doing you know, burpees or running or whatever. So that encourages the whole team to want their players to go for the ball. That definitely sets a standard, right? Now, I would argue, however, that that may not transfer as much as some other ideas that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But regardless of what you're going to do about it you need to have a standard and the standard are habits of excellence so what do we do as far as defense do we let balls drop if the ball drops what happens right how do we make sure that balls don't drop is a really important question too i think there's a lot of post response consequences if you will versus anticipatory response expectation and so we get caught up in oh you didn't make a move because you didn't try for the ball that's usually not it it's usually they in my opinion now different coaches agree and disagree with this i think players want to go for the ball if they're playing volleyball in general they want to go for the ball now that's not that's an overgeneralization, but i believe they want to go for the ball and they have to learn what to look for so that they can make a strong response to the ball and they have to be in a really athletic posture so that they can try for the ball and sometimes trying for the ball means going nowhere right the ball will just hit you right and that's defense and that's defensive intensity as well in a way being in the right spot as many times as possible right so if you're going to stand in there and get you know right in the line of fire of a quick attacker bearing down on you that's a form of defensive intensity and you're not going anywhere right so there is so many factors to this defensive 
um, intensity idea that it really, really makes me think a lot. Okay, so whatever your standard is, make sure that it's continuing and that you're always enforcing it. So, and it doesn't need to be punitive. And I, I want to talk about this too. So, one of the great ways to get an ongoing standard is this idea of 10 to 1 reinforcement and encouragement to observing or commenting on balls that are not defended well, right? So one of the things we want is to get the athlete just flying around the court, get the whole team flying around the court. I don't mean literally flying. I mean going as fast as they can for the ball, right? So we need to encourage them to do that. And I say 10 to 1 because it's like going for the ball is hard. You need to have so much pride and, and you know, almost an ego about balls dropping in your zone that you are going to make sure that you're doing everything possible because you want to win to dig everything you can, right? So when you have this ongoing standard of we're going to try for the ball and you have so much encouragement that they want to go for the ball, right? That That is really, I think you really are going to have a competitive defensive team, right? So we're starting to build this idea. Now, the first idea is an ongoing standard. Whatever it is, keep it, right? Keep your standard. I feel like a lot of times coaches come in in a bad mood. It's like, run, there's too many balls dropping. And it's like, it doesn't, it's not really clear to the athlete on what the standard is right if a ball hits the ground what do we do right if if we don't anticipate how do we respond and i'm going to talk about what i believe to be the ideal response when a ball hits the ground or we we don't go for the ball in just a second but i think there are uh, the more important issue is why we need to unpack why the athlete doesn't go for the ball, why our team doesn't go for the ball. Okay, And when I say the athlete and our team, they're synonymous, right? There are certain athletes that are going to have, quote-unquote, a nose for the ball. They're going to naturally go for the ball more. And you're going to have other athletes that don't go for the ball as much as the others, and they're going to kind of shy away from the ball. Now, we want to train them all to be really aggressive, right? And so I think one of the important things is realizing is having the team realize that the individual is the team and that we need to rely on each individual in order to be a complete team. If we set out a standard for, you know, the left front to cover tips and they don't cover tips, then it lets down the team in a way. It's not a or I shouldn't say it lets down the team. The other team is going to score the point. Let's just put it like that. And if you want to win, if you're a part of a team and if you're really trusting your team and wanting your team to trust you as the athlete, then we got to make sure that those tips don't drop in your area of responsibility, right? So we need to make this connection that the athlete is the team and the team is the athlete. Now, that's one reason why I do like this idea of if a ball drops, we all run, right? I do think that that is important. I think that concept is important of we 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 fight together on defense. I will say however that a lot of times 
it may be punitive or punishing for athletes that are doing their job and that may be a little discouraging right so sometimes running the whole team or punishing the whole team when balls are dropping I can understand that I'm just trying to say that encouragement 10 times to one time that we are noticing or commenting on or making them run or punishing or whatever you want to call it, having a consequence for when they don't go for the ball. So 10 times we need to encourage them. Go, 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 go. Good try. Okay, and we're going to talk more about the feedback that that would be. But the ongoing standard has to be supported with encouragement and reinforcement. And that's my big take on it. Yes, you can run. Yes, you can do burpees. And that is one way of setting the standard. But I really think the standard has to come from excitement on creating plays, not from discouragement on not making plays. So that's one thing I really, really want to hit home. I think there needs to be excitement about making plays, not this discouragement over not making plays. Coaches have this idea that we can go for everything all the time. And yes, that is obviously what you want. But in reality, that's so hard. In, in, in a real volleyball game, going for everything and being fully committed to everything defensively is super hard. So working towards that is the goal. Okay. Now, the other thing you can do to help your team play harder is help them to stretch their attention span. So all the time teams go from playing hard to playing less hard and it's kind of like this wave and if you can help your team to play with a longer attention span and I mean over points and over games and over matches then over days you know that that's how you win tournaments right but if they can't stretch their attention span to play hard for very long then they're not going to be all that successful and so one of the things you want to do is connect to why we play hard and that will help them to stretch their attention span so what i mean by why we play hard is their big why like why are you willing to throw your body on the ground for a volleyball right to to dig that ball it may have a lot to do with well i love my teammates and i want to see them be successful it may have something like i want to beat the other team on the other side it may have something to do with you know I, I want to make my family proud but again connecting to that why is really important for stretching their intention span because the longer you can play hard the better I definitely think teams play hard for a little while and then they either get discouraged or scared or forgetful or overwhelmed there's so many reasons on why that stops or they can't maintain that i should say or it drops down a little bit but if you can help your team stretch their attention span by connecting to why we play hard that is really really powerful so that would be something like hey keep it up guys we are going to make ourselves proud right we can do this we can play in a way 
that's going to make it so frustrating for the other team. Okay, and we want this. Okay, let's play as a team. Stick stick together. Okay, and and that's what that feedback would look like. Okay, why are we playing hard? Hey, we want this game. We want to win this game. Wait, we play hard in practice in order to play this hard in the game. So that's stretching their attention span. As it dips, you're trying to bring them back. And it doesn't need to always be with that intensity in your voice. But the idea is when their attention span dips, we have ways to bring it back. And we're constantly trying to stretch that attention span. One of the best things I heard on that was just simply holding up a number, like between either 0 and 10. Right, this is how hard I think we're playing. Ten is we are playing lights out, the best we've played, and you know, that's amazing. If we're playing at a zero, that means we're not trying for the ball at all. There's not a lot of pursuit and that's unacceptable, right? So I just think ranking them on that brings it into their awareness and then a lot of times they can adjust for it. So you might say something like, Hey team, we're at a six, let's get to a seven or eight in a in defensive intensity by the next time out let's do that okay let's make sure that we're you know going for the ball full speed or you know committing with two hands or whatever you've defined as your standard enforce that by ranking them and saying hey can we bump this up a little bit okay i feel like we've dropped down you know or even better have them do it what's our defensive intensity at right now uh it's like a Five. Okay, can we get that up? Are there things that we can do to get that up? Yes, there are. Yes, there are. We can make sure we're balanced. Make sure we're looking at the right things. Make sure that we're, you know, turning and facing the action. And make sure we're, our hands are ready. You know, there's all sorts of different things that you can do to up your personal reaction to the ball. And if we can kind of put that on their awareness, from there, we start to think about what should the ideal feedback look like for defense. And one of the big ideas that I have is removing shame from defense. So I think all too often we are so stubborn as coaches and so idealistic, it's probably a better word, that we believe that we can get everyone to go for every ball. And that's really not realistic. It's really unrealistic, actually. So we need to live in reality. Okay, so what does ideal feedback look for that? Well, we want it, again, encouragement and direction, right? Encourage the pursuit, encourage the player, direct them on what to look for direct them on hey i think you can get that right if you get from outside the block or if you're looking at the right thing make sure that there's a feedback loop going on um, that goes beyond just simply hey go right a team that just goes is a chaotic team right it needs to be organized it needs to be systematic and it needs to be um, it needs to be something that is practiced and rehearsed and the feedback to me looks like something like I mentioned earlier with the 
the the ranking of a zero to ten on on the defensive pursuit. But I really love to say stuff like "nice move," okay, "way to be aggressive," okay, "commit," okay. I love the idea of committing. I think all too often there are kills because of lack of commitment on the defensive part. So commit, commit. That's a directive type of um, coaching. Go, go, go. This is when the ball is in the air. Okay. And obviously you can't say it on everything. This would be in training, right? But, you know, making that connection when the ball's literally in the air, right when they should be going, go, 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 go. That's really powerful feedback versus after the fact, that was yours, right? That's not as powerful as go right then, okay? And you might even see a little hesitation where it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going, and then you yell go, and then they go. That's, again, connecting the cue and the response, and that's what we want, right? It might have been a little late, but they went, and as those two things become closer in time, you're going to get more and more immediate responses, and that's awesome. You know, I also love the feedback, way to be a great teammate right like that is so key if you can get your teammate to go that's awesome okay finish that move okay i love that feedback because it's directive right a lot of times they'll play it and then you know either need to move on to something feel that they need to move on to something else or just kind of dig in and because it's not a perfect dig they won't they'll they won't finish the move and complete it and then it ends up being you know, chaotic. And so I'll say, finish that move. I love that feedback piece. Way to react. Okay. If they're in a position where it's a reaction dig, and what I mean by a reaction dig is a dig where you're going to only be able to make the play relying on your volleyball reactions. If they react with a volleyball reaction, I'm going to say, Hey, way to react. It's still a difficult play. Some of these plays are below conscious level they are they're literally have to happen on the subconscious level you know you need to play enough volleyball in order to make it a full-on habit so if they react like that i'll say hey way to react i'll also say prepare prepare ready ready okay i think that's really important again going back to that can we do it before the fact okay prepare and ready are kind of the same thing or i also use the term posture up posture up posture up we can make them accountable for it, okay? So I love this idea of just simply giving them a number, right? You're playing at this level, okay? Well, what does that mean? What does a seven mean, right? Well, that means that we've let, a, you know, two balls drop in the last, you know, 10, 15 tries. I don't know. However you want to account for it, this ongoing standard, right? So defining what that looks like. Now, the other thing I really think you can do to help your team play harder is what is a defensive move, right? What do we count as a defensive move? Some coaches would say two hands, right? But there's this building argument of not all balls should played with be played with two hands. Not all balls should be played with two hands, right? If the ball's so fast, maybe you shouldn't put your arms together and make a platform. Right. But what does that look like on your team? Anything slow, we're going to make sure we're using two hands. Right. We're only going to use one hand when we absolutely have to. We're going to commit our body in the direction of the ball. Right. We're going to make sure that we are finishing our digs before we 
pop up and cover or go to hit, right? Whatever your ongoing standard is, define that with your team, right? And like I said before, sometimes defensive means going nowhere. So there should be a ton of accountability prior to the contact of the opposition set. So I think there's way too much attention on did you go after the ball, the react part, and not enough on the read part. Can you perceive what's going to happen? Now, one of the big things on this is that a lot of digs are so fast that if you're not in the right spot, you either make it harder on yourself or nearly impossible on yourself to dig. Right? So we need to make sure that we are valuing the perception, anticipation, reading, if you will, part of the game. What are the reliable cues on where the attacker is going to take the ball? Okay, what are the reliable cues on where the attacker is going to take the ball? Because so often I see teams and coaches and players make these great moves for balls but they're making these what seem to be athletic great moves because they're out of position because they haven't read well whereas other athletes are just standing right in the lane of attack and they make everything look easy right now that doesn't mean volleyball is easy and there's times that they're not going to have to lay out but the perception part of it really needs to be valued, right? We talk so much about what do you get what do you do to get your team to play hard on defense? Well, I make sure that they react for the ball. Well, do you make sure that they read? And how can you tell? It's almost like well, you do two burpees because you didn't go for the ball. Well, you do two burpees because you weren't reading. Okay, that doesn't happen all that often. In fact, I don't hear that hop happening very often in a gym because it's it's a little bit difficult to discern, but it's super powerful, right? If you can be reading, it's arguably more important than reacting. Now, I know they're both equally important or they're both really important. Let's put it like that. Read, react, anticipate, perceive, react, get focused on the cues that are going to lead you into defensive success so that's why I, earlier i was using the, the term play harder <clears throat> in quotes because a lot of times play harder has nothing to do with anything that's hard per se besides looking and noticing the important stuff now how do you notice the important stuff and what is the important stuff and well a lot of that comes by playing a lot of that comes by working with your positioning and reflecting um, on where you should have been, right? But a lot of it comes from um, picking up on patterns and what hitters mostly do in these, search in the, these situations, right? So I really want to stress this area because I think, I think all too often we talk about playing harder as a... Um, something that happens after the fact did we react to the ball hard right that's great and that should be enforced and it should be part of the standard but also just equally important if not more 
Did you anticipate? Did you get in the right spot? Did you perceive what was going to happen correctly? And the best way to do that is by seeing, right? Look, using your vision, but also using your other senses to anticipate what's going to happen. Okay. Now, another way you can help your team to play harder on defense is to define their area of responsibility, right? If I feel like I have to cover all everything sometimes i end up covering nothing and that happens all the time on the beach you see uh, the defender leaning one way or guessing because there's so much court to cover that 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 has to happen sometimes but if you know especially indoor that all you got to do is dig tips you can perceive that you can anticipate that and make sure that you dig every single tip that is in your area of responsibility. Now, obviously, you want to expand your range and cover more ground as you get better. But especially in six-on-six six volleyball, I think often we get overwhelmed with this idea of I got to cover all this ground. And if you really work with your team to figure out which ball is mine, which ball is yours, I don't have to get that ball. All I, ha all I have to do is get this ball, you know then I really think your team can play harder because your area of responsibility is much more well understood. So it's almost like you can have more of a instant reaction because you know it's going to be your ball, right? So defining your area of responsibility and really working to train that. Now, it, the other thing is this idea of fear, right? If you want your team to play harder on defense, you need to remove fear. Now, you don't want to remove fear entirely because kids can knock heads. Kids could crash to the ground. And I remember when I wanted to play defense uh, before I knew how to play defense, I would just crack my rib. I'm sorry, not my rib. I would crack my hip on the ground. I would just throw my body and it would just crack my hip and it was not smart. So we want to learn how to remove fear by getting them to play safely right learning how to go safely to the ground to the floor fast learning how to move safely and fast in a congested area right six on six it's it is congested right so i think a lot of times kids hesitate because they don't want to knock another kid and that makes sense and when i say kids i just mean volleyball athletes and so we got to remove that fear how do you go into a crowd safely in volleyball one of the things is defining your seams or or you know your areas of responsibility like we talked about so you're you're able to go fast without fearing crashing right now that takes a lot of awareness and um, responsibility for everyone to be able to do that but I totally think removing fear and removing fear of like we were talking about earlier fear of failure like it going Playing defense is hard. Digging with control is hard, right? It's a big challenge. There are teams that can do it, and there are players that can do it, but it takes a lot of time and practice to be able to control the ball on a live attack. So we need to encourage them and take away the fear of failure par partially, meaning if you try full out and you throw, you know, whatever your best effort is at that dig great 
We're going to support you. The team is not going to criticize you. The team is not going to criticize you for a great effort. The team is not going to criticize you for a failed, strong attempt, right? So we need to take that fear effort out of it. We need to take that fear response out of the athlete, right? And I think that comes with time, but also the support of the team, and again, defining what it means to make a full move. Hey, you made a full move there. Great job, right? It's hard to play hard. So they need a lot of encouragement. They need a lot of awareness. And they and we, honestly, we need to teach them directly how to move, go to the ground, go, go into crowds, chase stuff by the bench, right? Chase stuff... Um, that's going to fly off the court safely, right? As, as teachers and coaches, we need to do that. And that will help them take out some of the fear of going for the ball. Okay. Now the other thing is, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about is qualifying your defensive errors. And by qualifying means, I just mean kind of categorizing them. Like what type of error was that on defense? Was that a playing hard error or was that a ball control error, right? If I'm diving full out to make a play and I mishandle the ball, that is a different thing than being there for a free ball and mishandling the ball, right? They're completely two different things, right? So we need to categorize those, right? No-goes are unacceptable, you know, not going for the ball, okay? But as soon as that no-go happens, you got to go, right? This is a big point now. So one of, one of the biggest things you can do is to train the correct response. So if you as the coach step in and initiate the ball, that is one way of doing that, like simulating the, the ball. But the best thing to do is when the ball is attacked and you don't go, as soon as you know, you go. Okay, so that reaction, that response needs to be connected to the attack, right? It needs to be completely connected, meaning the attack happens, I do this right so as soon as you know you go and it doesn't have to be a dive move it does not have to be a dive move in fact there's this really funny instagram clip going around right now where this kid just bounces this ball no block and there's this pause and then three kids dive for the ball it's like that's not game like right that's not what the move would be there Right, So you need to make the game-like move that you would make in response to the situation. Right, So sometimes that's a dive. Sometimes that's a run-through. Sometimes that's a just my hands are going and, and that's my ball. I understand that I'm going to make that move. Right, So I like the idea of connecting as immediately as possible and bringing those two things closer and closer together you know cause response right um cue 
response, right? What do they do and then how do I respond, right? I really think that's an important point I'd love to hit home there because I think all the times we're like hit the ground. Well, on that dig, that was just a tip. I didn't need to hit the ground. I was standing there, but I just wasn't anticipating, right? That's a run through play or, or a stop and dig play. Right, so what is the play to be made? And you can do some error correct stuff with that, but it's even more powerful when it is the actual live game like play. Right, so a lot of coaches do like a coach on one after an athlete doesn't go for a ball, and the coach will come in and you know hammer some balls at them or make them you know tip or whatever, you know, tip some balls into their zone or whatever and make them dig it or run and chase some balls. And that's one way of getting them to build you know, pursuit, which is good, but it's even better when it just is connected to the game, right? So that's really awesome. Another thing you can do, okay, to help your team play harder on defense is big space training and small space training, okay? And what we, what I mean by that is sometimes you make them train where they have a ton of ground to cover um, in terms of defense, Right, so they have to go go get it. It's really far away from them. They have to really pursue far. That way they they don't get in the habit of thinking, well, this is just my little zone, right? They want to expand their range, right? So you want them to go travel far to go get a dig. Put them in big space and train that way. But then you also want to put them in small crowded spaces to where they can learn how to go into traffic and use their voice to you know, get people out of their way and use their body for positioning to get, you know, position on the ball in order to let others know that, it, you know, it's their ball, that type of thing. So I like the idea of doing big space training and small, and small space training because I think they're both important, right? You have to pursue sometimes really far and then there's oftentimes you're just in a small space inside the 10-foot line or whatever and you have to make a small little play so i like that then the other thing i really think is this idea of defense is not just first contact right some of the best defensive teams help the defender with the second contact extremely well so the second contact pursuit is high right they just are prepared for whichever dig they're responding to that dig they get and the pursuit to that and their awareness on where that ball needs to go is really high. And uh, I call that helping the helper, right? The defender is really trying to help and then you're trying to help them and you're the helper, okay? So you can help them by being ready and pursuing that second contact. And one of my favorite plays on Instagram is this one where it's it's kind of a shank dig to the back of the court and the girl leaps over the other girl on second contact and you know plays it over over the net and they end up getting the point, right? That's not a dig, that's a second contact, but it's still pursuit and that can really be important, right? And then finally, had a lot of you know I we've had a lot of ideas here creating order from disorder okay I think all too often coaches let 
I think all too often we don't let defense get ugly and try to create order out of it. We just want it to be clean so bad that we have an ordered that we have a sort of organized well-controlled drill set up and that's not really the way defense works defense is challenging defense is disordered right a lot of times when they are making good plays when you're playing a good team you are not controlling the ball on first contact right so how can we create order from disorder right a lot of times when we do control the ball those are the easy situations right and i see coaches repping out those situations all the time right but those aren't the difference making situations those aren't the difference making situations those are situations that are routine that every team can play so why do we need to practice that all too often we need to practice going from disorder which is going to happen in the rally at one point or another against a good team back into order so what does our system look like when it gets broken and i know it's like well a system for a system yeah that's exactly what you need you need a system for when your system gets broken and what are we going to do to make sure that nothing hits the floor and that we are keeping every ball up and getting a swing so Let's go over those real quick. Having an ongoing standard, right? Definitely important. Stretching their attention span by connecting to why we play hard, right? Reminding them of those reasons. Defining what does it mean to play hard, okay? What does it mean by full-speed defensive pursuit? What does it mean by defensive intensity, right? The other idea is defining their area of responsibility of responsibility defining their area of defining their area of responsibility right that's an important idea learning how to move go to the floor go into crowds safely that's definitely important posture and balance plays into that as well right if they are off balance or if their hands aren't in the right place when a hitter is bearing down on them they may get you know in an unsafe situation right so being balanced so you can move right that plays into that and then tons of reinforcement tons of encouragement right i really believe that as coaches we need to be on the encouragement side on defense right and it's so easy to get frustrated when an easy ball drops but defense is hard and if you've played enough volleyball that uh we know it's avoidable so that's why we get frustrated but it's also a process of learning that every team and every athlete needs to go to it's also a process of learning that every team and every athlete needs to go through right the other idea is qualifying errors another idea is big space training and small space training and then also the idea of second contact pursuit helping the helper and creating order from disorder Okay, I like that idea a lot because to me, being in an ideal posture is so key for defending with an athletic move, and that reminds them to kind of keep their hands up. I really think the defense is played with the hands in sort of a more than neutral position more often than not, and with their eyes up. Okay, so if they can have 
great posture with their hands prepared and their eyes up, I think that that's a great cue. So I love the cue, posture up, posture up, and then get them again, get them again. If they get a kill on you, get them again, try it again. Make sure that we're pursuing everything to make the hitters have to be perfect in order to get a kill or close to perfect, right? So if they make, if they get a kill and I made a strong move, Hey, get them again. Now you know what they're, they got, right? So you're going to say, get them again. I love that uh, feedback in, in look, defenders go harder when they know the ball is in, they just do. And when you yell in, they commit that much more. Right, so being relentless on defense, I think, can come from some of these very short phrases versus line it up, or that was a no-go, or that's your fifth no-go of the day. Right? I don't think those things are very productive. A, I don't think they have a ton of transfer. B, and I don't like to say them see because it, cre it creates kind of a disconnect between the coach and the player because players want in my opinion and in my experience I should say most players want positive interactions with their coach right they don't want to feel like they did something wrong or bad right so how important is it that I'm engaged and intense on defense? I think it's very important that I'm engaged. I don't think I need to always be speaking in an intense way. So I think, well, I know I've seen coaches do it by being calm. <laughs> and I am a little bit high strung and my methodology might not be like that, but I have seen some of the most calm, chill coaches have their teams play super hard because the message is clear, right? The messaging is the biggest thing. Now, if you are just an intense person, then maybe you're communicating that with intensity. I think engagement is a necessity, but I also think there's times when the coach can remove themselves from the situation and should remove themselves from the situation and not be the team's intensity or engagement, if that makes sense. So a coach should kind of wean themselves from the team, okay? Or the team should wean themselves off of the coach, if that makes any sense. Because the coach should not be the one that is being the intensity or being the engagement for the team, right? And especially with younger teams, when we're teaching them, a lot of times we do that for them to kind of model it. But it needs to slowly but surely come away from the coach and have more ownership for the team and the individual, okay? Are there stats that can help? There are certainly stats that can help. And... We had an awesome discussion on this one. Right now, there's not a lot of great stats. We keep track uh, in the paper. Not we. I don't work for the paper. But what gets in the paper is digs, right? But digs doesn't really keep into account a lot of things, which is uh, obviously, you know, how many attempts you had, right? 
Um, so if you had a bunch of attempts, obviously you're going to get a bunch of digs. If you dug every ball that was hit in your zone, but you only had fewer, you know, balls to dig, are you a worse defender? I would argue no, right? So digs is not a great, um, it's not a great stat for defense. Although I like the idea of go get a dig. It it gets it it's it's valued, right? It's it matters. Go get digs. But is a dig anywhere as useful as a great targeted dig? No, but they count both for digs, right? So then you get into this idea of create and convert, right? And some of that is tied into external factors that go beyond the dig, right? So when you create a scoring opportunity, that's one thing. But did you convert it? That's another, right? Some coaches focus on, hey, if we can convert a lot of your digs, that means you're giving us more useful digs. And therefore, that's a higher quality defender, right? Um, but that conversion number also plays into a lot of different things. Who's hitting when you're digging, et cetera, et cetera, right? So the conversion number can be difficult to extrapolate how well a digger's doing. Um, I will put out two stats that I think can help. One is dig efficiency. As a team, you decide whose ball is whose. And if the ball is struck into your zone, you get a dig. And if it's struck into your zone and you don't dig it, you get an attempt, but not a dig. And so how many of those dig out of how many attempts you had, how many digs out of how many attempts you had, I think is one good way of tracking, you know, defensive pursuit, right? Did you go for everything that was in your zone and did you just dig it up right the other one that i think would be great i don't do it at all but i think that this makes sense is to qualify digging like you qualify serve receive efficiency so when you dig it was it a three dig was it a two dig was it a one dig meaning how many options did i have on that dig right i heard the baylor coach speaking saying that he kind of doesn't count, quote unquote, digs unless they can run their middle, right? So they want to be able to run their middle on every dig, right? And if they can, that was a good dig. So just the idea of what type of quality does our dig have? Right now, the idea of quality in digging isn't really evaluated. So I think that's one thing that we could do to make digging uh more valuable for the team and more obvious as as to who is doing well because right now a lot of times uh, kids that run stuff down get a lot of attention and kids that read well don't get as much attention and over time i think you can see the kids reading well making things look easy but that's not always um evaluated in the stats so there are some stats that can help right now i don't think defense is evaluated all that well um 
but there are some things we can do. I'd be totally interested to see what you guys think about um, how we can do a better job evaluating that. Um, now, should we do a bunch of block skill training or should it be game-like? You know what I'm going to say. I definitely believe in game-like training, but I also think because defensive movements can add an element of um, not, I don't want to say danger, but just being hurt, like diving and going into traffic and jamming fingers and that kind of thing. I do think there should be some defensive movements that are trained in a safe environment. So whether that means taking some, some speed off the ball or having a, a more uh, organized attack, meaning like someone's initiating off of a box while they're learning so that they don't get hurt. I think that there is some good benefit to that. But even as I say, as they're learning, I don't mean as the first thing they they learn. They can play defense right away. Um, but I think it's important to train some of these defensive movements in a safe environment and maybe interval them in with some game-like situations. But I really believe that reading... Um, is just the most important thing and you don't get good at reading from a coach hitting a ball off of a box you get reading from a live hitter in a game like situation so um, what I really like to do is practice a couple of tools and I don't mean tools off the block I mean you know defensive tools each practice so maybe one move or tool that they can use each practice so today we're going to practice overhand digging right and i would kind of give them a couple you know principles for that and then the next day hey we're going to practice you know digging going forward and we would do a couple principles for that and we'd initiate that and then um there's so the idea is what i do is give them that movement and give them that pattern or whatever defensive movement until we start seeing it in random Right? And then you can start taking it out and give them a little bit less of that block training and a little bit more um, of a different move. Okay, um, And then finally, are there any specific games that we like to play that reinforce defensive intensity? Well, I really like doubles. Okay, First of all, because you got to go for the ball. There's a lot of big rangey moves that you can make so and and it's just you digging a lot of times especially if there's a blocker right so I, doubles is one okay that totally enforces defensive intensity and and i actually had a coach friend of mine say it to me the other day you know when we play doubles we're just flying around the court and then we go into sixes and i can i can say hey in doubles we were just flying around the court so we can do this. We can be aggressive. So you can actually use doubles as an anchor into sixes. Um, the other game that I love is called ace, where it actually has nothing to do with the serving ace. It really has to do with if the ball hits the ground with no one touching it, that's an ace. And either off the block or counts as a touch, or defense counts as a touch. So it's really just training them to respond to everything. So if they 
if they get an ace, the the team that hits the ball gets an ace, then they're either rewarded with a big bunch of points or the other team goes back a big bunch of points. And there's some interesting theories on that. There are some studies apparently that um, show that it can be more motivating to lose points than to gain points. So that's one uh, way of thinking about it. Um, but if you want to keep it positive, you could give them a bunch of points. Okay, so that's one thing. Or you could doghouse the team. That's that where the ball hits the ground, right? So there's lots of different things um, you can do to uh, encourage that in that ace game. But it's basically like don't let the ball hit the ground without a touch no matter what. Now, the, the thing that's not great about uh, the game ace is it's just a touch that they're looking for. So uh, obviously there's, you're, you're playing for normal points too. So that's that's something to keep in mind. But if they just get a touch, is that really promoting good defense? Not so much. So there's positives and negatives to the game ace, but it definitely promotes that, you know, go for the ball mentality. Um, I like what I call the evil setters rule where the setters can um, dump. And if they do and, and get a kill, then either you're, you're off the court, you go back to zero, or I score a bunch of points, like we just said. I think that's a great one. And sometimes we can turn that rule on and off, meaning the evil setter rule is on, and then that really makes them protect their base. So that's one thing. Um, I love that. Um, this game, go or go, a lot of coaches do this one, meaning you got to go for the ball or you got to go back to zero or off the court um, or back a certain number of points. And then the other one that I, I know this sounds so simple, but I find it actually does reinforce defensive intensity a lot is where you simply are playing a game, but you're counting digs for points. So if they get a dig, point right it this just seems to motivate them to want to go get the ball and that's what you want right it's encouraging again right it's again promoting that encouragement of playing hard on defense going for everything man we have covered a lot today so volley on